inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling It is time right now for In the Garden with Peter Burke. Our program today is brought to you by Menard's family-owned True Value Store on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville, by V's Flower and Garden Shop, Main Street, Waitsfield, by Clausen's Florist, Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, Main Street, Colchester, by your locally-owned Montpelier Agway Farm and Garden on East Montpelier Road, by Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber in Middlesex, St. Albans, Enosburg, Swanton, and Derby. Sticksandstuff.com. By Guy's Farm and Yard Stores in Morrisville, Montpelier, Williston, and St. Albans. By PR Lumber, a family owned lumber mill with all the lumber, mulch, and compost you need. Right there on Route 15 in Woolkett. By the Willie Store in Greensboro, celebrating 120 years of family ownership. By Dandelion Acres Garden Center, Vermont Route 107 in Bethel. Poly Construction, a contractor you can trust where one call does it all on Gregory Drive in South Burlington. Telephone lines are open for your gardening questions and comments. Peter would love to hear from you. 802-244-1777 or toll-free from most anywhere, 877-291-8255. And right now, here's the host of In the Garden, Peter Burke. (laughs) Hey, Joel. Beautiful out there right now, that's for sure. It is. I was surprised to drive into Waterbury and find the the roads actually paved. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we're getting ready for our street dance. Oh, there you go. Next next Saturday. Dancing on the asphalt. You must have a song like that, right? We probably do, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, Dancing in the Street by Martha and the Van There you go. That, I think that that qualifies. Yep, yeah, for sure. And uh, so um, it's really time for the braggings to start. You know, I'm I'm uh, I'm hoping somebody will call and tell me how wonderful their tomatoes are, or how great their broccoli is, and how big the cauliflower was, and how wonderful their eggplants are looking right now because it is uh, right in the middle of harvest season. You should be getting uh you know some some nice harvests. But amidst all of that, in the bragging rights, uh, which I want to hear, besides uh, the questions and all the rest, I want to hear a little bragging happening, um, is uh, starting to think about the the, the fall. And uh, what we have is, oh, I'd say about 50 days of frost-free, maybe 60 or 70 over in the banana belt where you are. But um, that means that we're, we're limited to the things we can grow, but we're not limited to growing things we we have tons of things of plants uh, to still um, uh, to still harvest uh, planting seeds now uh, for instance uh, peas um, peas are still have plenty of time and they will take a light frost certainly right through October 
Um, and I would recommend using uh, um, uh, planting a, a dwarf uh, pea. Uh, there's a lot of, of dwarf shelling peas, which are terrific in salad and stir fries and all the rest. Uh, uh, there's also a dwarf um, uh, sugar ant, which is a sugar snap. And e- either of those would work really well. And the reason you want the, the dwarf ones is that simply because they start to um, they start to produce. Uh, Earlier, and they're sh- they're just simply a shorter um, a shorter vine, and they still be a good two feet or so. Um, and that's that's one one option for things to grow. The other thing is, of course, um, growing things for baby leaves. And uh, baby leaves are um, just just that. They're they're the first uh, true leaves, or first and second tr- set of true leaves of plants that we grow ordinarily. Of course, we're all familiar with uh, baby spinach, but uh, it's become more and more popular. Uh, You see in the grocery store uh, boxes and bags of baby kale and baby arugula and um, all of those types of greens. And that means that you still have a whole other crop to to harvest between now and the first frost. So um, get out there and start planting again. Don't don't uh, don't rest on your laurels at this point. You want to get out and and make sure you get a uh, another crop of, um, of of wonderful greens that you can use both in your salads and of course in a stir fry. Um, we use them in uh, uh, dishes like when we make ramen. We throw in a handful of these um, these baby greens, and they're really really wonderful. And then also consider. Um, uh, planting radishes, not so much for the radish itself, but for the tops. Radish tops, turnip tops, um, uh, make for uh, a great um, addition to your greens when you're cooking uh, cooking things. They do need to be cooked. They're not, they're a little spiny and prickly to to um, to eat raw, but uh, they make a great addition to the stir fry and uh, um, soups and things like that. So there's plenty to do uh, yet in the planting department, um, but I'd love to hear about those uh, the other things that are growing up and you're harvesting today. Also, it's time to go and look at your uh, Brussels sprouts and start to trim the the leaves up from the bottom. You can go oh a good third to half the way up and prune all those leaves off, and that will give the plants a little more air, a little more sunshine. It'll stimulate uh, the growth of the the sprouts, the you know your Brussels sprouts, and that's. Um, that's in, in just like any of the other plants. It's an important part of of uh, the maintenance and and uh, encouragement for the plant to put a little more effort into the into the sprouts. And I was looking back. Uh, Joel had some pictures of, uh, of from my garden over the over the weekend last night and, and today and. I had Brussels sprouts one year that that literally filled the the palm of my hand. They were so big, they were really really wonderful. And I, I, I <laughs> it's not every year that happens, but it's frequently enough that I just love those Brussels sprouts. And they're solid; they're not leafy or anything. Uh, so that makes for uh, for some good eating for sure. And uh, uh, let's see. Uh, it seems like. 
that the rivers are high and maybe that drought is is starting to wane a little bit. Uh, there's a lot of talk about drought for a while there. Not that it was a serious drought yet, but it was. Um, they were saying that the uh, water levels were low. But when I drove here from Montpelier, uh, the the river certainly looked high to me. Whereas usually, uh, as I turn that corner into Middlesex, you can see sandbars all along the way, and and instead uh, the river was high, and there were quite a few uh, of all things mallards uh, floating around right in that. Uh, Right in that one turn where the water is fairly deep, and then they were uh, sitting on a rock in the middle too, as well. So it might be that we're we're past the the drought, which would be nice. Well, I, I had mentioned that <laughs> this was the year that I mean, my my heart really wasn't into doing all that much of a <laughs> garden, simply because of other issues. And I hear um, you. And uh, I was. I guess I I would reduce it to the maybe there's a slight chance the uh, deer and other critters would forget where my garden was. <laughs> Not the case. Uh, that didn't work for you. <laughs> no, they ate, they ate most of my tomatoes. I, I mean, usually I get I, I get a bigger yield than that, but they just you forgot to do the Jedi thing, you yeah. know, where you know the there is no garden here, there is no greens for you here, you know. Well, if I had just taken the extra step of using the monofill. Uh, yeah, uh, well, there's that too. Yeah. But. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if I really wanted to go whole hog, j- just a couple inches off the ground, the electric, uh, you know, the solar electric. Yeah, know, yeah. And that usually did, you know, keep enough, keep enough critters out of the Is that the whole the hog or the whole deer? Yeah, well, it's, it, it's the deer. I'm sure it's the deer because they ate from the top down, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they all the other guys start low. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason or another, there was one broccoli plant that the deer, I'm sure it's the deer came in and just nibbled on all the way around, you know, didn't never you know, did anything with the with the uh, broccoli spear, but it ate all the leaves all the way around. So that uh, there's a lesson to be learned is that those broccoli plants sometimes are as good as the you know the collards or anything else. <laughs> now, how much of how many of your Brussels sprouts do you harvest early? I usually like, I like to I, you know I didn't have all that many, but I, I usually would wait until after the first frost, even out where I am, oh, f- because they really sweeten up. Oh, oh absolutely. Uh, our tradition with the uh, with the Brussels sprouts is to pick them just. Shortly before Thanksgiving and even sometimes Thanksgiving morning. And, uh, I did have a surprise one morning when the, the deer came in and ate quite a few of them, uh, that night. <laughs> you know, Wednesday night they came. Uh, but we still had enough for dinner, for yeah. Thanksgiving dinner. But, yeah. Yeah. so it, it, I, you can let them go quite late. Um, the only thing, of course, to watch is, is that you're, um, uh, you know, your spray because they, they'll be hit by the, uh, the cabbage worm just like any of the other broccoli plants or the cabbage plants, well, I'm, cabbage I'm, family I'm, plants. I'm so fortunate with all the Maza farms mm-hmm. and Lomatier farms mm-hmm. and, and uh, et cetera, et cetera, out where, um, out where I am out in Mallet's Bay. I let them grow the corn because, mm-hmm. I, I mean, even under the, even if I were outside sitting in a rocking chair with a shotgun across my lap, <laughs> I couldn't keep the guys from, you know, harvesting my corn. There's a fact. About three or four days before I thought it was right, 
you know, raccoons yeah. and everybody else said, oh, the corn is ripe, you know. <laughs> Joel's corn is yeah, ripe. So they I, like your corn better I, than I, anybody I, else's. I know that, well, I know that... Uh, the the the, the mazas really know how to keep the critters at bay. They must. Well, they know, yeah, because all the crows come to my backyard, <laughs> and I mean, I like seeing these huge birds. They're bigger than my cat. These huge birds coming mm-hmm. coming coming in the backyard, and well, I know that if they dare land on one of the mazas farms, mm-hmm. they would have a mm-hmm. severe price to pay. So do do the mazas drop off a bag of seed for you every once in a while? No, just so I, that... <laughs> I, I, I I pay retail price for freshly harvested. <laughs> Corn for me, it's worthwhile, you know. But well, I I was having the conversation with the guys at work, uh, uh, Eric, and he said that that his um, cabbages were were hit with the worms really badly, and he said, "Dog, just forget it. I'm not even going to bother with them. I'm just going to." Because I said, well, you know, you can spray. And I pointed out is that you do have an infestation and that if you don't do anything now, it'll be double that next year. year, So you want to, even though if you've given up on your, on your crop, whether it's uh, broccoli or cabbage or, um, you know, Brussels sprouts, uh, because of the cabbage worm, uh, you should go ahead and spray because you're really doing it for next year to try to set back um uh those those little guys from becoming moss and then planting uh then uh you know uh lay more eggs on your the next the following year so uh, it's still worth it um to to go ahead and do that and uh of course i haven't been out to my garden uh except once a week now because uh, of the house fire and stuff so we it's a little harder to get out there and the other problem of course is there's no water there so what i did was um i was at the plainfield hardware store and i noticed they had the captain jackson a pre-mix spray bottle and i said by golly, that would be just enough to hit all of my cabbages. A little expensive to to do it that way. I've always gone with the concentrate and the and the two gallon sprayer, but um, the uh, that will work fine. And I'm, I'm uh, I'll be doing the cabbages and the broccolis. Well, let us uh, let us go to our first caller. All right, and uh, I will ask the question. Your first name and town, please. First name is Kendra, and I'm in Northfield. Hey, Kendra. Welcome. And I have a blueberry question for you. Okay. Last year, excuse my voice, um, last year I took a bunch of cuttings, and I did root them over the winter, uh-huh. and they're beautiful this summer. They're not very <clears throat> they're not very large. Sure. And I've gone on to all the websites. Sorry about my voice. It just went on me. It's okay. I've it's okay, Kendra. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I can't tell if I should let them go another year in the basement or if I should plant them this year. They, they, they're not very large. They're not like you would buy them at the nursery. <laughs> yeah. you know? uh, well, even when you get them from the nursery, they say if they're one year old, they're actually two years because they've, you know, they've grown for a year and they're right. into the second year. So I, I think that your instincts are right on. I would let them grow another year. Okay. But you said something about growing them in the basement. Does that mean you're, they're under lights? No. Oh, no, okay. no. I, I actually... You know, I did everything I was supposed to with the correct soils and everything, and I put uh-huh. them in um, a picnic cooler with uh-huh. a cover a jar. Uh-huh. So they stayed very dark, very dark, and the temperature was very consistent in the oh, basement. While they were and, rooting, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and they had mm-hmm. all rooted beautifully, and mm-hmm. um, I replanted them this spring into individual pots. Yeah. And But they're just 
feel kind of petite. I just yep. worry about actually planting them. I, but I, you said not to, so I, I'm all set. I'm, I agree with your instinct. I, oh. I would. Uh, in the, uh, have the leaves started to turn red yet, or the, um, a couple they start, of them are. Yeah. They look. Yeah, like a, they're keeping pace with my regular yeah, bushes. Right. Okay. Good. The, the, so they're right in the cycle. That's great. Yep. Okay. I, I admire you the, to to grow your own blueberry cuttings. That's terrific. Well, I have a plant that I bought online about three years ago, mm-hmm. and I accidentally <laughs> lost the paperwork that came with it, and I have no idea what they are. <laughs> but they are so big and so blue no and so kidding. juicy. I just oh. want more of them. <laughs> Where you? What what online source did you? I really don't remember. It was like maybe four four years ago, and I've lost okay. all the paperwork that went with it. So, but let's say that it's not one of those that you're not allowed to <laughs> make new ones from. <laughs> maybe they're plums. Who knows? <laughs> well, I love your program, and well, thank you very much. Well, thanks, Kendra, and I admire your your pluck to get out okay. there and 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 grow your own. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take some more cuttings from another plant in all another right. week. All right, great. All right, thank take you. Bye bye. Thanks, bye. <laughs> That's yeah. great. Yeah, Jeez. and Forbes, as you remember, our blueberry maven, yeah. has uh, has uh, has been telling us this is an incredible year for us. Yeah. Yeah, and several varieties. I, yeah. I plan after the show. I plan to go out and visit my own blueberries and uh-huh. see what's out there. The last time I went, they were still pretty pink, and uh, but uh, I'm hoping for a good a good haul because we love to. We freeze them right up. You know, it's so easy to just uh, rinse them off and freeze them, and uh, uh, you know, use them up in all the hundred different ways you can use blueberries right right through the rest of the. the uh, I winter. use frozen blueberries. Frozen for everything. I put mm-hmm. frozen blueberries on my cereal in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I sometimes pour myself a half a glass of orange juice and fill up the glass with frozen blueberries. Instead of I, ice. I yep. eat, it, eat it with a spoon. Yep. Sometimes I actually put it in the uh, the little miracle blender, mm-hmm. orange juice and uh, mm-hmm. you know, blueberries, maybe some mm-hmm. frozen mangoes if I have those yeah. from the store. Yeah. You know, and uh, anyway, but I, I can't remember the last time I thawed a blueberry. <laughs> It never made it that it far. Never huh? made it that far. And I grab hand, handfuls out of the bag and, and eat them. They're wonderful. Yeah, yeah, it's really one of the greatest yeah. fruits you can grow. Is is very gratifying for sure. Let's, let's go to another caller sure. and uh, see what's happening at this end. Uh, good, uh, good afternoon. Your first name in town, Norm from Bristol. Hey, Norm, how are you? How's things good. in Bristol? Yeah, I haven't called only once before this year, but I've got a problem with my grapes. Yeah, I think I think it's called brown spot. Uh oh. Have you heard of that? Uh, Where they yeah. turn into it look like raisins, but they get really really hard and they shrivel right up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, like any, it's uh, it's sort of a fungus, right? Or are they, do they look moldy? I would think so. Yeah, because it's been going on for oh quite a few years now. But back in the day when we had. Oh, there was an old nursery there when we moved in there years and years ago, and mm-hmm. we grew grapes, and we had grapes growing everywhere, and they never were affected by anything like that. But yeah. today, I mean, in the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years or so, um, they have been hit by this, what I call brown spot. I've looked it up a little bit in my Bible that I have, and it said something about them being uh, hit by something called brown spot, which causes them to shrivel. And, uh, yeah. So, Ooh, so 
chances are that, uh, particularly if you've had a lot of grapes growing in that area, um, the grapes that are around you haven't really been well taken care of. So there's not good airflow, there's probably not good sun, and so the likelihood that it would create some sort of a fungal or bacterial infection um, is doesn't surprise me a bit. And then once you have that in your area, you, you, you're definitely going to get them on your on your your um, your grapes. So uh, the couple of different approaches, of course, is make sure you're thinning, you know, your grapes like you should. You want to make sure you have them uh, all the extra, you know, you just want the the bearing uh, canes. You don't want to have anything extra extra on your um, on your trellis. Are these trellised or how are you? Yeah. How, yeah. So you want to make sure you're you're pruning them correctly, and then uh, you're, you're talking about the vines or the vines. The yeah, yeah. The, there's a you know you have to cut back um, on your vines, and then also you might want to shorten the the vines that are uh, bearing fruit. Um, as oh, well. Okay, I've done that this year too. You did, uh, and then at that point, um, and because you have such a, a uh, an infestation, you're going to have to spray them. And the usual. Yeah, I've been doing that too. What copper. What have you been spraying them with? Copper. Copper, yeah. And they still, even with the copper, they're still. Um, yeah. And, and then not the. Doing it often enough? I don't know, but it seemed like this one time I went through them about. Three weeks ago, yeah, I, uh, I sprayed them, and then uh, I didn't know if they were sensitive to the copper. I think I read somewhere where certain types of grapes are sensitive to the copper. Uh huh. Yeah. So I don't know because I lost it. You know, they've been there for a while, and they never really produced really great. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, I mean, these these green grapes that I'm growing. I haven't been there as long as my concrets. My concrets have been there for years and years, but and and what about the concrets? The same same situation oh, on the concrets. Yeah. yeah, same thing. Yeah. Well, that's a that's a real tough one then, because you've got yeah. a, a serious infestation now. Uh, are there still quite a few grapevines around in the yard there? The wild well, ones. Yeah, the ones that I'm taking care of. Yeah. There are some wild ones there growing mm-hmm. here and there, but. Yeah. Just a typical wild uh, grape. Well, you uh, you know you you may you may want to uh, just to do a little clearing more or less. Try to rid your area of all the wild ones because that's more than likely where the the viruses are uh, reproducing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm and doing that now as I go through my gardens. I mm-hmm. find some you know that are mm-hmm. starting and I'll clip them down. Yep. Yeah. Um, but. Um, we had now to do that. In our in one of our woodlots because the grapes were actually starting to um, uh, overwhelm some of uh, the trees we planted, the younger so trees. So we had to go out and, and weeds and things. And yeah, overwhelming yeah. Everything. Yeah. Uh, but the ones that were infected now, should they? If they just like a lot of them, I just kind of thin it thin to get rid of those, and they drop to the ground. Now, should those all be? Kept like in a bucket or something. Oh, absolutely! You should send them to the uh, transfer station. Yeah, the transfer station, the dump, so to speak. Dump. 
Um, yeah, you want to get them out of there. It's the same thing if you had, uh, for instance, the, the same thing with the um, uh, the late blight on a tomato. You know, you don't want to put those in your compost pile or even over the bank. You want to bag them up and send them to the dump so, yeah. so that they're not there to um, to come back to life the next year. That's what I thought. It might winter over. Yeah, it, it will certainly winter over. And it's hard to, you may have more than one virus and one, more than one bacteria in there too with that, yeah. this kind of infestation. They all look the same as far as, uh, mm-hmm. all the, you know, the brown spots that start and then they grow bigger and then they consume the, the grape itself and, you know, then they turn, they shrivel up and, and turn hard. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, been a, it's been a problem. I had so many beautiful grapes started this year. I even had my mm. brother come down and look at me. He couldn't believe it because it yeah. was going to be a great grape year. And then all of a sudden, the fire which came. And a, a lot of it might be caused Ouch. from all the wet weather we've got, too. Well, that, I was going to say, but it's not just the wet uh, as well right. because there's uh, so many different changes in the in the weather. Um, but it, more than likely, it's, you oftentimes see, uh, uh, you know, a bloom of, of those things after the, after, a, um, a rain and stuff. I'm trying to think of what we could use besides the copper, uh, for fungus. You know fungus. what I've used, and I've researched it, it's called Bordeaux mix. Uh-huh. And I think they used that years ago. There's like a sulfur and a, uh, I think it's yeah. a sulfur mix with yep. copper. Yep, yeah. Copper, yeah, and you mix it up, you know, in a little paste, and then you add so much water to it in your sprayer and that kind of thing. You're supposed to do it when the leaves are off in the fall, which I did last year Yeah. on the vines, and then you do it again in the spring. And uh, I got to it a little bit late, so that could be the problem, but, I mean, the grapes that were developing this summer prior to, oh, probably a month ago, were wonderful. I mean, there was no spots on them, and now all of a sudden, bang! They Ouch! Oh, that's yeah. so disappointing. I, I, oh. <laughs> I really, yeah. I, I get you. So the most common is the copper, the copper one, but there must be something else that we use can use. Yeah, the other one, of course, is the sulfur. That's a good one, and what you call the Bordeaux spray. Yeah. Um, but those are more for powdery mildew. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so, I guess what you really want to do is to go ahead and and uh, are you spraying every seven days? No. And that's what you need to start doing. That spraying every seven days. I think that's the the recommendation for. I know it's for the bonide uh, copper fungus. They just say if you have an infestation, you want to spray every. Uh, well, I was afraid that maybe they might be because uh, when I sprayed them the last time, mm-hmm. they uh, were p- still pretty good. Mm-hmm. But I was afraid that because it seemed like right afterwards I noticed that a lot of them had started spotting up again. And I said, mm. maybe they're sensitive to this copper spray. So I no, said, I, I do it or not? No, you should do it. You should definitely do it. You have an infestation and you're going to have to stay with it. And it, it may yeah. affect the fruit. It may affect uh uh, some, but I would say for the most part, the fruit is pretty well lost at this point anyway. So yeah. what you're trying to do is get ahead. And don't forget to spray the ground around um, right. under, underneath there as well. Yeah. And make sure that you're spraying the the stem all the way up and the bottom of the leaves and everything. You have to be pretty um, 
uh, pretty thorough on it to really do a good job most of the time. Um, the other thing you can do is to take like um, uh, well a compost tea or for that matter just even um, uh, a uh, what do I want to say is the compost tea or even uh, the seaweed or the fish emulsion and spray that um, you know in between the sprays with that and what that what that does is it changes the pH. The same way that we, you know, we try to resist a powdery mildew is to change a pH on the leaves. And in that case, it would also feed the plant as well. So, uh, you know, maybe just, uh, you know, spray the fungus side once and then uh, go ahead and feed them with a foliar for a spray with a, a fish emulsion. Okay. What was that con? Compost tea made from the. Oh, if you have a compost pile, you know, yeah. uh, you can, you can make a compost pile, make a, it just out of a sh- couple shovelfuls in a five gallon bucket. Or you could just use regular old manure too. Um, okay, you know. I've got some of that left over. I can yeah. make it out of that. Yeah. And, uh, that both feeds, it's a foliar feed, but the point of it is to change the pH on your leaves so that the bacteria and the fungus are less likely to so I just should pour that around the base of the plant? And- well, you can do that, but I'm talking about a foliar spray because um, so you would have to strain it then at some, at some time. Yeah, you would have to strain it. To, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, the other thing you can do is put the, the manure in a um, in a uh, in a bag, you know, a porous bag, and uh, yeah. then pour it off the top, and that would keep it from being too – but no matter what, you're going to have to spray it. Spray, uh, you know, strain it a little bit. Sure, because they will plug up the sprayer. Yep, yep. Okay, I won't keep you. I'm sure there are other people who want to call in. Well, I, I, I'm real curious how this works out for you, so you make sure you call back, sure. would you? Thanks, Norm. I, I appreciate it. Be from next year. Yeah, okay. I'm going to be more diligent next year. All right, buddy. You stay right on top of it. Yeah. <laughs> this is the uh, This is the fortress you're making here. <laughs> Oh, I know. God, it's so disappointing to see all that. Oh, yeah. I, hear, I feel for you, for sure. Okay. All right, buddy. Thanks again. And I think uh, Joel yeah, is... We're going to take a break right now. Oh, okay. And we have a couple of callers on the line. Okay. So we will get to your questions and comments, reminding you you're listening to In the Garden with Peter Burke. Okay. Hold on. Dandelion Acres is a beautiful garden center in central Vermont where you can find gorgeous flowering hanging baskets, annuals, perennials, trees, and shrubs. They also have an extensive selection of vegetables, fruit trees, and berry bushes and can also offer helpful advice to make your growing season a success. There's pottery, garden furniture, statuary, and decor from the whimsical to the sublime. Dandelion Acres Garden Center is in Bethel, Vermont. Go to dandelionacres.com for current operating hours and COVID caveats. It's In the Garden with Peter Burke, 244-1777, or toll-free, 877-291-8255. And joining Peter right now, up to his earlobes and blueberries, is Forbes in East Corinth. <laughs> in lovely East Corinth, I might say. Yeah, greetings from Blueberry Hill. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I uh, ran into an in- interesting phenomenon. The two-spotted... Uh, a drusilla or a fruit fly, Asian yep. fruit fly, uh, 
Um, they, you know, I have stings and whatnot through you. Not spraying any deadly chemical, and you don't right. have them. But I, as I open them all up, you know, I take them at random and open them up. Yeah. There's absolutely no, uh, no maggot, no or small, no red uh, white white worm in any one of them. Yeah. So my theory is that they sting on top, basically. Looks like a hypodermic uh, needle point. Yeah. And I think with the rain that we got, torrential rain, I think they drowned. Oh, for heaven's sakes. Uh, it certainly seems possible, yeah. Opens yeah. them up, too, and looks for that little white uh, yeah. uh, worm. Wow. But I haven't got one in any one of the fruits that are injured. That's uh, that's. That's really interesting. I wonder, and it does make me wonder if you see an infestation, if you couldn't use a sprinkler to, uh, uh, you know, over a series of a day or so, you know, and, and kind of uh, duplicate that same, the same amount of water, if, if that might uh, do the same thing. Right. That's what I'm really looking at. Yeah. But it would be interesting if anyone else, uh, you know, in an area that maybe that didn't have water like yeah. I did, yeah. maybe it's a week. Yeah. Um, or some even more. How interesting. If they uh, are noticing that they, uh, they've harvested or they've uh, multiplied within the blueberry. That's you can tell it looks like a little tiny hypodermic needle yeah. sting in the, in the uh, blueberry. Yeah, so um, do they actually lay the eggs inside or are they laid yeah. on the surface? They are, yeah. Hmm. No, she actually has a, uh, well, it's like a saw. Mm-hmm. And she, and she oh. uh, actually punctures the blueberry and then she turns around and sets the eggs into that into that puncher. <laughs> Jeez. And it's... from there they live on the blueberry. The blueberry usually goes soft yeah. because the... The maggot, let's say, that's what it is. Yeah, it's eaten away. It, it lives on the inside of the blueberry until it gets to its maturity, and mm-hmm. then it drops to the ground and starts its life cycle again. Did you um, did you hear Kendra call uh, earlier? She was uh, growing blueberries from one of her plants uh, from root cuttings. Or, uh, you know, she had rooted some cuttings, I mean to say. Yeah, um, what you can do, they're... they're they work pretty good that way. <laughs> I'm trying some grafting. Oh, is that right? Yeah, uh, I've got a tool that actually uh, does the, you know, the both ends. Hmm. And I'm trying some grafting on some superior plants mm-hmm. into some less superior plants and uh, see what happens there. So that's going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah. And so what you're grafting onto the superior plant is uh, a larger blueberry or a hardier blueberry what are you trying to get out yes, of it? Yes, it's much much hardier. It was actually in the initial uh, order of the plants that I got, which were all bare root. Mm-hmm. It was uh, somehow at the nursery, it was it was uh, thrown in <laughs> to all of the others, and I planted it. And this, this bush is unbelievable. The berry quality uh-huh. is tremendous. The plant growth is tremendous. It's right in the middle of all my others. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. And, and I have to fight, fight to have people not pick them all. <laughs> so but, you don't actually know what variety it is? No. Oh, for no, heaven's sakes. Well, that no. was that was her contention. To the, the berry bush was so great she wanted to duplicate it. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can you can uh, you can put them into a medium and, and yeah. uh, grow them pretty well. Yeah. That's how they do it. 
Yeah. Ah, well, anyway, that would be interesting to see whether anybody else also experiments with their injured fruit. (laughs) Open them up. It doesn't take much. You just your fingernail and open them right up, and you'll see the little white worms. I have seen them. Lived. Mm -hmm. But not one, and I probably have done 50. Wow. And I did not find one single uh, little white worm. Yeah. So the only thing I can... The only thing I can say is that uh, the water it actually drowned or washed them. the egg and, and yep. nullified it. How interesting. It's interesting to watch. Yeah, I, absolutely. You never yeah. know. Sometimes it's the simplest things, right? Right. <laughs> and then I could go into an overhead watering At, you uh, know, system or a spray that, you know, at that particular time. They hit it just when they turned blue. Yeah. That's yeah. basically when the stinging point. That's when the... the they're ready to to lay the eggs right. for sure. They can do it in two days. Thanks for the tip. Okay. Thanks for it. I appreciate right. that. Have yeah. a good day. Yeah. And I think we had somebody else on the line, but maybe they didn't want to wait. or So anyway, if you have a question, the lines are open. You're welcome to give us a call. And uh, um, if you have something to add to or, again, if you have something to brag about, we'd love to hear you brag. And uh, <laughs> that's one of the the fun things about uh, uh, gardening is is having a five inch tomato or a, a twelve inch broccoli head or you know br- Brussels sprouts that are the size of your palm. And the other thing that I get that's the size of my hand is the the basil leaves. Oh boy! Yeah. And that's that's why I just love to see that because I just think of pesto. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, we talked about that last week. Yeah, we did. Um, so right about now, um, you it'd be a good idea to go ahead and spray your all of your squash uh, plants, whether it's uh, the cucumbers or the winter squash or. You know, melons or whatever you have for squash plants, um, to try to prevent the powdery mildew, which will come, uh, in the next, uh, the next few weeks here. It's pretty much a part of the cycle. And as the plants start to reach maturity, then that seems to be when the powdery mildew, um, uh, attacks them, the, the, the most likely to attack them. Uh, they don't generally, it, uh, doesn't uh, grow on uh, young plants and stuff. It'll grow mostly on your older plants when they start to, uh, the end of their cycle. But their end of their cycle is not really the end of, uh, for you. You want them to keep growing to ripen up the fruits, whether it's, uh, uh butternut squash or Hubbard squash or your cucumbers or, any of those uh, squash vines like zucchini and yellow squash, um, a, a good spray. You can use a copper fungicide if you want. Um, you could use, again, the same thing, a, um, a, a fish emulsion or a compost tea or um, serenade is another one that's used, which is sort of like a compost tea. And the, the whole point is to change the pH on the... Uh, on the leaves so that the pottery mildew is not, uh, doesn't like it as a host. It's, uh, it's the wrong pH for it. So you want to just change that enough to, to, um, sort of as a preventative. Then now is the time because now is the time when those are starting to wane a little bit and, um, you would keep it up, uh, for, um, uh, 
the next few weeks for sure. And there's there's a real advantage if you're using something like this, the um, compost tea or the fish emulsion, in that it it does give the plants a boost as well, a nutrient boost. And so, you know, now is the time to sort of kind of get ahead of it a little bit. Uh, the same way we put up the the Japanese beetles uh, uh, traps on July 1st because we know they're coming. And uh, <laughs> uh, this year it was interesting because as uh, my comfrey plants started to mature and they had finished flowering and uh they were still, they were up, well, let's say three, maybe even four feet. Uh, they just got absolutely knocked out with, uh, with the powdery mildew. And, uh, um, uh, I was surprised. I don't usually see it on the, the comfrey, but you know, that's just the, the part of the natural cycle is that as those plants start to, um, uh, start to, that once they've matured and start to on the downside cycle of their cycle, uh, that's when the powder and mildew will come. So it's true for a lot of different plants, not just the squash, but right now we want to keep those squash plants uh, going and producing and uh, for another, oh, three or four weeks because uh, once September comes, then they're, they're going to die back anyway, but. Yeah, I think the trick is with the powdery mildew mm-hmm. is that if you see it on one plant, you know, <laughs> one big leaf, then spray everything, everything else, because it'll keep it from going to the other. That's uh, right. Cucurbits or whatever. That's, is that the right word? I think that's the one, yeah. Yeah, squash plants. <laughs> squash plants. <laughs> For us, right. <laughs> uneducated folks, it's a, a squash plant. And so, uh, and as Joel said, certainly if you see it, Definitely do it, but even if you don't see it, uh, now is the time to start that preventative measure. Yeah, the point is you won't cure it on the plant on which you discover it, <laughs> That's but right. you'll keep it from adjacent plants, even of the exact same variety. It's a flag, yeah, it, it definitely will let you know. And uh, you'll notice it even on plants outside of the garden, and when you see that there, then again, it's it's time to start spraying and, and uh, you know take care of your plants, because... You, this is when they're putting on those the final uh, the final fat, you know, fattening them up now. And uh, we we actually I bought a a, um, a butternut squash at the co-op. It was a beauty. It must have been oh probably 14, 16 inches long, and it was a, just an absolute beauty uh, beauty. And, and it you just couldn't uh, I couldn't resist it because it's been a little while and. And uh, we roasted that up in the oven, and uh, then uh, my my son and his wife, and me and my wife, we just feasted on them. They were really great, and uh, that's uh, that's a real treat. So the point is, is you still have a few more weeks when you can add on to that growth and and bring the plant to, uh, right along with it. Yeah. We'll have some really nice, really nice squashes. And the same thing with your zucchini and your yellow squash. You know, now is the time that you really want to uh, keep them going because they've, you know, if you can get another three or four weeks out of them, all the better. Um, with, uh, let's see now, we went through all those things. Oh, uh, if you do have comfrey. Okay, go ahead. It's definitely time to cut it back and, and compost it. So, well, we have we a do, call? Yeah, we do. Oh, all right. Let's Great. Push the button and say your first name in town, please. It's Bob. 
from Barrytown. Hey, Bob. How goes the battle? I, not very well. Uh-oh. Um, I'm not getting much for tomatoes mm. uh, or foliage. And what I did this spring was I read about um, putting mu- a third five-gallon pail full of mudu and then filling it up with water and making mm-hmm. a tea. Mm-hmm. So I did that. And then around the base of my plants, I used some landscape border. It's about four inches high, plastic. And I just made about a 12-inch circle around my the base of the plant. And I put compost in there, and then I dumped in the um, mudu tea. Hmm. And, I, and I'm wondering if that was, if I burned them, if it was too much. I did it about once a week, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds like you 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 know exactly what's wrong because I would agree with you. I think that they've got too much nitrogen. Uh, okay. But usually with too much nitrogen, you see a lot of green foliage and you just don't see um, a no, lot of... I'm not getting foliage at all to speak of. Mm-hmm. And so what are you getting? What's what's happening? Well, I have, a, you know, maybe two or three tomatoes on each plant, but, uh-huh. um, you know, they're, they're small and uh, there's hardly any foliage at all. Wow. And what's the variety? What are you looking at? Um, I think these are defiant. Uh-huh. I have, I have uh, three or four different kinds. Uh-huh. I have big, big beef and, or beef steak or whatever, and, but yeah. I think the ones are defiant. And also my uh, cherry tomatoes are the same because I did that to all of my tomatoes. So. Wow. And the other one, the the, the big beef, uh, those ones are doing okay? Um, yeah, but I still, not not like they normally would. So I, I just wondered if I overdid it. You can overdo it with nitrogen. There's no question about that. Okay. And, and then, I'll, I'll, excuse me, also when I planted them, I put mudu at the, at the base of the hole. Uh-huh. Yeah, I put them in, which mm. I normally do. But yeah, I... that should be okay. What you what you may have done is actually, um, and this is something you'd have to dig down to see is, if you have too much, uh, you know, real moist stuff right down on the base of it, it could be too mm-hmm. moist to where yeah. it's actually rotted the vine some, and that sounds okay. like something's happened to that vine to yeah. to stop it. And that's the only thing I can think of right off. Yeah. Um, I, I had a friend that used to use like a two-inch pipe. Yep. And he, the, uh, the the portion of the pipe that was underground, he drilled full of holes. Mm-hmm. And he used to pour his um, tea into that, and it would mm-hmm. slowly weep in. And mm-hmm. I said, well, I'll put this board around the base, and I can just mm-hmm. fill it up full of uh, tea and see what happens. Yeah. Um, I think I overdid it. And the tea you're making from compost, your own compost? No, um, Moodoo. Moodoo. You know, the uh, commercial stuff yeah, that you can no, buy. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, you know, I do like a third, a five-gallon pail, probably filled it with a third of Moodoo, and then the yeah. rest of it was water, and I would stir it up and let it set for a few days before I used it. Yeah, it it, it sounds like a great recipe for terrific tomatoes, for sure. The only thing I can <laughs> yeah. think of is that um, if that uh, stem uh, down by the uh, at the at the ground level 
was mm-hmm. continuously wet. It may have started that to rot. Be, and, I could and dig up one and uh, see what's that, going on. I guess that would be kind of what I would I would probably do just out of plain old curiosity to see yeah. because okay. for the most part it sounds like a recipe for success. But if yeah, that's, that's too <laughs> if it's too wet, um, yeah. then you know. And we did have quite a lot of rain, so if it yeah. was wet to start with and then got waterlogged on top of that, then yeah. um, you have enough. Uh, biological activity in the in the moodoo and the, uh, what you put in there that it could easily have created a, a, yeah. a, a some rot was, in there. That was my thoughts also. So. Yeah. Well, I'll check one out. I'll dig it up and, yeah. and see see what things look like down there. Yeah. So. Because oftentimes they say to let the soil uh, around a tomato dry out and then give uh-huh. it a real good drenching, and mm-hmm. so you want to. You know, you sort of want to keep it dry to keep that kind of thing uh, in bay, and then and then give it a good drenching. And okay. That would that would kind of be my my uh, my advice anyway. Okay. And let I'll me know, that. Bob. I, I'd, yeah, I'd love to hear what you find out. When I, I'll dig up one and uh, see what it looks like. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> it's Thank like surgery, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Take care. Yep, I know. Yep. Thank you for your call. Yeah, Absolutely. my own experience with uh, uh, too much nitrogen uh, when I was zealously, you know, uh, feeding every plant and and using, um, mm-hmm. you know, the old uh, what do they call call it? Uh, um, oh, the circular cir- the application of a fertilizer around oh, the plant, yeah. side yeah. dressing. Side, yeah, side dressing. Using the old terms, the side yeah. dressing. I ended up uh, super nitrogening everything and ended up with the most beautiful collection of tomato leaves with very little fruit. Very little fruit, yeah. yeah. My peppers the same way. Yeah, yeah. Everything was just the most beautiful, verdant green, but at the expense of the fruit. Yeah. And that was, as I say, during an overzealous year of uh, of side dressing. You know, uh, the, the bigger, day. the better. That's the. <laughs> the well, that was it. The yeah. more, the merrier. It just says, you know, put in two ounces, I put four ounces. Yeah, of course. You know, yeah. you know it's a, it's a common problem, well, but it's the hard way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, that it, it's um, it is interesting that it, uh, when I talk about watering and stuff, is not to to have water on the plant so much as just around the where the root system is, so that it goes right down to the root system, and the rest of it stays fairly dry. And that that helps to keep the fungal growth and and that type of thing from uh, from becoming a problem. And, the one thing that I'm doing, as I say, if anybody listening is having a less than perfect garden this year mm-hmm. and hoping to do better next year, uh, soil test. You know, mm. I'm sending them out to that lab mm-hmm. you told me about. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. And yeah. I'm really going to just double check everything because yeah. goodness knows, you know, I, I say, well, I had a soil test done, but that was like <laughs> four or five years ago. Yeah, right. You know, a lot of. <laughs> Yeah, you know, the whole other side of it is you had a soil test done and then you added something, but did it work? Yeah, exactly. You know, so <laughs> I'm, I'm going to start from ground zero, and if uh, there's something, to, if there's something to blame other than myself, I'll find out what it is. But usually, like I'm that. my own worst enemy when it comes to this. <laughs> Uh, you know, the, the most important tool in the shed is the gardener, so <laughs> himself. Yeah. Oh, and that's, that reminds me is it's time to get out there and look for those, um, the, uh, the tomato horned 
the the great horned tomato worm and start checking and make sure. I know we've had a few reports of it being out there, but uh, be on your guard and keep looking. It's very important. I, I almost hope I find one because uh, with the macro setting on my little movie camera, I could make a Godzilla film. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> absolutely. Yep. And particularly when they're eating, they're devouring things in, in great gulps of <laughs> tomato leaves. <laughs> and occasionally they will eat the fruit too. I've seen it a few of the, but they only like take a couple of bites out of the fruit, just enough to spoil it, you know. <laughs> well, anyway, that's it. So I was wondering uh, if we were going to do the show because the Red Sox are going to be on at like two o'clock, and I thought, oh, we're in trouble. Well, no, I've got about uh, twenty minutes of music and uh, some messages and uh, mm-hmm. a few things, and then we have a Red Sox double header as the uh, Red Sox hope to uh, oh. turn around their their slump. Oh, good wood. lord! Yeah, <laughs> they've yeah. been awful, <laughs> and I don't know why exactly, but they certainly um, they certainly are hit the skids for a little while. But you know that's baseball, and that's that's the way it goes. Sometimes you hit the skids, and sometimes you bounce back and. You yeah, know, we've got two games today, right? Mm-hmm, Is mm-hmm. that right? Yep. And, um, yep, two games today. And there's seven inning games, which to me is Little League, you know. Seven inning games. Oh, inning oh because double it's header. a doubleheader. Yeah. Yeah. Know. Well, you know. What, what, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I, I would call myself a purist, but... It, uh, I still I still can't even get over designated hitter. I mean, oh. I, I grew up in the 1950s. Oh, my goodness. You know, with eight teams in each league, no playoffs or divisions or anything. Whoever won the American League was the American League champion, whoever came in first in the National League. And I thought it was fine with 16 teams. Of course, I grew up in New York where we had three of them. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, right. You had three anyway, of them right there. Yeah. We've got two se- Thanks to the new rules, we've got two seven-inning games coming up to, uh, today. At Toronto, so in Ennis, I think it's uh, uh, one of the first times that they're actually north of the border, oh. and then they finish the series tomorrow with a game that starts with a, a pregame at noon and uh, first pitch at one o'clock. But our pregames for the doubleheader today begin a little after two o'clock, which mm. is a half hour from now. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I was wondering about that, but good, we got our game. We got our game in. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, we got. You have a few minutes, or uh, closing yeah. words, or yeah. Well, um, I'll sort of end up with where I started out. Is uh, we still have 50 days left? There's a lot of things to plant. If you, you know, consider anything and everything that you can grow as a baby green, and uh, uh, just keep on going. Uh, the peas will be great. You'll love them. If you plant them again, you just have to find a dwarf variety, and there's dwarf varieties both for the the sugar and the snap. Um, and there's also uh, consider maybe the um, you know the flat the flat ones. You know those are nice uh, for short season as well. So keep planting, guys, and we'll talk to you next week. And we will see you in, in the, the garden. By inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, 
Someone bless these seeds I sowed. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling down. In the Garden today has been brought to you by Menard's family-owned True Value Store, Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By V's Flower and Garden Shop, Main Street, Waitsfield. By Clausen's Florist, Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, Main Street, Colchester. Many end-of-season specials at Clausen's taking place right now. Also by your locally-owned Montpelier Agway Farm and Garden, a place that has all you need right there on East Montpelier Road. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber in Middlesex, St. Albans, Enosburg, Swanton and Derby, sticksandstuff.com. By Guy's Farm and Yard Stores in Morrisville, Montpelier, Williston, and St. Albans. By PR Lumber, a family-owned lumber mill with all the lumber, mulch, and compost you need. Right there on Route 15 in Wolcott. And by the Willie Store in Greensboro, celebrating 120 years of family ownership. By Dandelion Acres Garden Center, Vermont Route 107 in Bethel. And by Poly Construction, a contractor you can trust, where one call does it all. Join us again next Saturday at 1230 for In the Garden on WDEV. Gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile.